0: Welcome to The Elephant on the Couch, where we're finally addressing what makes us uncomfortable. This is a judgment-free space designed to finally help the elephant in the room get on the couch and start the conversation. So join us, let's get that elephant on the couch and let's get uncomfortable. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Elephant on the Couch. I am your host, Tanya.
1: And I am your co-host, Dulce.
0: So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about mental health. Yay. What, what better topic for this space? We were just talking last time about how we want to normalize a lot of things. So we figured why not start with mental health.
1: Yeah, I think um a big reason why we decided to do it too is because it's May.
0: Yes. It's and what is May, May
1: Dulce? Uh, mental Health Awareness Month. Yay. Um, ooh, I- ooh, On the last episode, we were talking about both of us being therapists, clinicians, social workers, shrinks, I mean, (laughs) every name in the book.
0: Yeah, you name
1: it. Right. Counselors. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we thought it would be a really good idea to bring this topic into this space to kind of talk about what it means, because I'm sure that we will be referring to the term mental health or mental illness or mental disorders as we move Forward with the podcast, and so we kind of wanted to give you guys info about it, so you kind of knew our two cents with it. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. yes, and hopefully by the time you're listening to this, it's still May, and we just want to again bring more awareness into mental health and this not only this month, of course, moving forward, but just plant that little seed, and hopefully you'll be a little curious to go do a little more research. Or open your eyes a little more. Uh, but so we wanted to start with, I guess, defining what mental health is, right? Like, and again, like Dulce, like you said, Dulce, I think it's from our perspective, our experience, not only in our personal life, but also through our work, what we view as mental health. So that's not about right?
1: Yep, 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 yep. <clears throat>
0: yes. And before we start, though, I do want to acknowledge again that as we said on episode one some of the topics that we're gonna cover might trigger certain things on you. Emotions, we do want thoughts. yes we do want you to be brave and finally address the elephant, put it on the couch talk about it be brave stay in the mess and stay with us but we also understand that again things might get triggered in you so if this episode is too much for you you'll find yourself getting triggered please listen to your body acknowledge that respect that and take a break and then come back to it hopefully and finish listening to it but if you at any point during this podcast during this episode you find yourself getting some sort of reactable emotion or reaction to what we're talking about please um we encourage you to respect that and take a break from it
1: yeah and um if There's going to be plenty of more episodes for you to listen to, so don't feel pressured. Like, you need to finish this one. We're not petty like that.
0: (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) Hopefully, though, after you self-regulate and gather your thoughts and emotions, you can come back in again, because the goal is that we push through those uncomfortable things and acknowledge things and talk about them, yes. But also, in the same thought, we do want you to be safe. Right. Um, Yes, so we do want to start by destigmatizing a lot about mental illness, mental health. So for me personally, I think I see mental health or I guess mental illness, right? Because when we talk about mental health and we were talking about this, about how mental health is the ability to have a healthy brain and emotional reaction to things, whether whereas you can experience everything in the spectrum and you have the ability to recognize those emotions when they're more on the negative side of the spectrum, you deal with them in a healthy way and you move on with your life, right? When we say mental health, we don't mean that you're never going to be depressed or sad or angry, but you recognize when it's happening and you deal with it in a healthy way. That's that would be my definition of mental health. Now, when it comes to mental illness is anything that becomes too much to the point where it's impairing your functioning and when we talk about functioning we're talking about the way you handle stress your relationships your choices your behavior um and just again your your functioning overall that's when it becomes mental illness
1: I think for me um mental health is a balance um I think I was talking to you about this uh, prior to recording um But I I really wanted to bring to the table that mental health doesn't mean perfect the same way that physical health is. Like you go to your yearly well check and there's always something that can be said about bettering your physical health. You know, I mean, even people who are working out on a daily basis and have like this super intense fit body could have a little bit more of healthiness in their life like I don't I don't know what the ultimate goal of health is like that's such a hard definition to have I think right. for me mental health is like a balance a, a um, mental doesn't necessarily just mean emotional and thoughts I think it means spiritual and uh, love connections and social like there are so many things that your brain does to the outside world that like for me, mental health is just being balanced. Um, and and every time that I have a client and the client says, Oh, I'm very emotional. Like, I'm very sensitive. I always say like, good job. You have a healthy brain. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. not a psychopath <laughs> mm-hmm. because being able to have those range of emotions um, really help you figure out if things are not right. You know, if somebody hits you, ouch, it's going to hurt. That means you right. have a healthy brain.
0: <laughs> right. And, and it means sometimes that you are invested in things. And like we said on our first episode, we do get passionate about things. So that is you experiencing that range of emotions. And again, nothing wrong with that, with being having a bad day where something bad happened or you're just having a really crappy week. It's probably appropriate for you to cry and be upset and be mad at the world. Right.
1: I think there's this like idea that people are supposed to be perfect. Um, and, and that's not accurate at all when it comes to being healthy. Um, for me personally, like mental health means being able to go through the motions, uh, feel crappy if I need to feel crappy and then pick the pieces back up and keep moving.
0: Yes, I always prescribe crying. <laughs> yes. I really do. I tell my my clients there is nothing wrong because they're like, "Oh yeah, I, I was crying all day," and I am like, "So what? You had a hard day, and crying if that's what you find to be helpful, then that's what your body is telling you to do in that moment to release that energy right. and then regroup and regulate back right. to right. It's
1: it's it's a it's a normal human reaction. I yeah, I I wanted to. As we talk about like health, I think we also need to talk about the expectation that people have of health. You know, um, what healthy means for me might not mean the same for you in mental health. Oh yes, mm-hmm. and I think it has to do with also like your family culture. Like, I have some family members who are very loud. Like, it's just part of the family, and I know that like with my American friends, that's not acceptable. Like I can literally and I'm not going to specify who, but I can hear <laughs> an auntie from down the street like I know that if my family members are listening, they're going to know who I'm talking about. Like we literally
0: <laughs> throwing her under the bus. I know
1: I love my Real auntie. Way. I love her so much, but we when we talk about my auntie, we talk about her cursing us out and like literally listening to her from a mile away. Um, But that's the family culture like we walk in and that's that's her love and that's healthy within that core family.
0: You know, that's the
1: way they communicate. That doesn't mean that it's an unhealthy family per se. It's just like the way that they are. Um,
0: Yes, I I think I have a little bit of that in my family, too. I had uh, I have people that like, you know how like when they do like the baby voice like to babies and and they do it like cussing. Uh-huh. Like yeah but it but it yeah definitely I can see someone that doesn't come from that environment from that culture from that upbringing seeing that and saying oh that's verbal abuse that emotional physical psychological right. abuse right away
1: right yeah so I, I think it's important to kind of pay attention to that so, so maybe we could move a little bit with what unhealthy means so that I think it's easier to define the unhealthy than it is the healthy
0: (laughs) wouldn't you agree because I think the healthy is a big spectrum like we're saying what's healthy for me what works for me what keeps me safe and sane might not be the same for you so our healthies might be completely different just like when we're talking when you were talking back to health physical health what my doctor tells me as far as like weight, things that I do, physical activity, whatever, might be very different from what your doctor tells you to do, even if we're very similar built type of thing. I mean, that's just
1: we are similar build guys. That's why it's done? funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's we it's are, really are funny. We're like almost the same height. And yeah. 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 There was a point of time when we were young. And you we were both working out very hard and our bodies looked, are you, not are that they don't look nice blind? now. I, was I going to how say. my body looks. I'm just saying they were in a better shape. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Yes, but today we're not talking about ourselves. So that's the beauty of that.
1: <laughs> um. Anyways, moving on.
0: <laughs> yes, moving on. Back to just mental
1: focus. No, but it is, but there's always like a space for growth, right? And, and I right. think that that mental health definitely has that space for growth. Um, So one of the things that I kind of wanted to touch base on as we were talking about mental health is that it flips hair and flaunts her watch. Ka-chow, ka-chow. That's a (laughs) reference from Cars because my daughter watches Disney movies. Um, But I am a mental health first aid instructor. Um, I've been doing that for about three years now. And I love it. And so... You want to tell us what that means? Yeah. So Mental Health First Aid, it, it started a few years ago. Um, and by few, I mean like 10. But for us in this field, 10 years is very young, um, especially when it comes to research-based stuff. But it started as a movement to get people aware of what mental health means. And so the same way that they have first aid or CPR... Um, they also have it, but for mental health. So it's a national um, certification that anybody that the average Joe can have, um, you attend this class, and it kind of gives you an overview of what mental health is. And and it, and it allows you to identify signs and symptoms, and gives you tips on how to respond. Um, again, the same way that it works for regular, like physical first aid, you're not gonna like Have somebody with a broken leg, and then you're just gonna like put on your magic gloves and do surgery on them. You know, like we're not ensuring that you turn into a therapist after you do mental health first aid, it takes a lot of time to get there. Um, But with mental health first aid, is is to kind of give you those tools to respond when the crisis is happening. So, um, I really, the information that I'm gonna provide. So this is me being transparent and honest. It's a lot based on the mental health first aid um, information that I've had in the training. So by no means am I taking the role of the expert. By no means am I saying I know everything there is to know about mental health. There is a lot of like conversation within our field with psychiatrists, nurse practitioners, um, therapists, social, because even within our, counselor work. We have different people that come into the field. We have counselors, we have family therapists, we have um, social workers, we have, you know, substance abuse counselors. And and when we start talking about mental health, like we get into these really big conversations and discussions, and you can even say arguments about what causes mental health illnesses and disorders. So with that being said, the information that I'm providing is very subjective to my worldview. It is not yes. something that I, I wrote a book about and I have research and I stand by it like, because um, there's a lot of like conversation around that. And and again, that's the point of this podcast, right? To kind of have that conversation and go over what we believe mm-hmm. is out there.
0: Right. Cause I think, and, and I think that's very true and an important point because Yes, any, if you go to a therapist that is trained in marriage and family, their approach is going to be very different to whatever situation you're presenting to them versus if you go to a social worker, if you go to a psychologist, uh, someone trained in any other
1: EMDR, there's like specific,
0: yes, so they will treat you with their little goggles and their training and their education and what they've trained um, to do as far as like approaching whatever presenting problem, right? So I think just like we were talking about mental health and how it's true for every individual, I think it's the same for that, right? We all come into this field with hopefully the same idea of wanting to help people and make a difference and create this awareness. However, we each have different training, different approaches, different backgrounds, and that all plays a role into what we bring into that dynamic of, therapist and client
1: and and just so you guys are aware this also happens in the medical fear field that's why right. sometimes a patient has like three different doctors
0: oh my god yes uh, you can go to a doctor and they'll tell you oh stop doing that and then you go to the next doctor and they're like why did you stop that you have to go back in that med i'll in those meds and i'm like ah oh, it is cray cray that is, is another
1: that night. is another podcast uh topic that we need to address
0: yes oh like my goodness, just
1: yes. just medical issues at all because I think um, we have this idea that doctors or that professionals have all the answers and the answer is no, we do not. And in order for us to provide the best um, care for our patients, we need to be like constantly learning every year. We have to be, even for our licensing, we need to continuously have education coming in because we you know researchers are constantly working so new things come up in the field constantly and and it's not just in mental health it's also physical health and I think that argument happens with doctors as well
0: yes I think I think I think this are probably I mean a lot of fields but I think in particular medicine and mental health which is again it's part of the health spectrum uh, I think it is constantly changing and being updated based on new things that we see new trends new historical things that might happen that impact the way we treat patients Uh, so definitely always changing yeah yeah but i think it's also important to point out that for when we're talking about mental illness there is a lot of different factors that play into it things that quote unquote might trigger that there is things that there is illnesses or disorders that people can be born with literally like there was absolutely nothing that anyone did, but the person is just born with this. Um, Like for instance, autism, right? We were talking about that kids are literally born with it. And we start seeing some of the symptoms and behavioral aspects of it. And then they start analyzing and then boom, you have a diagnosis. There are things that people are born with chemical imbalances and that turns into mental illness, there's people that develop mental illness from trauma, from generational patterns and just passed on historical exposure to domestic violence, anything like that can trigger the onset of quote unquote mental illness. So again, it is a big, big, big spectrum that it's true and it's real for the person living it just because I didn't, I went through the same and I didn't develop any depression, any trauma, anything like of that sort, it doesn't mean that it wasn't traumatic or that it triggered the onset of a mental illness for someone else.
1: Right. I think, um, so I have some statistics of of the U.S., um, and this is from the Mental Health First Aid website. Um, and, And I'm so glad that you mentioned that before me giving these statistics, because as I provided these statistics, we really need to be cautious about the, what the verbiage used in this means right because mental illness can like when i say that our book is a pain in the butt like i mean it our dsm the diagnosis the DSM. for yeah for mental health I like mental like illness i know it changes like every what five years or so the fact
0: that we are on what number five right now the, the latest yeah. edition. I think it is number 5. That tells you there right there what you need to know about the DSM and again like we were saying how this field keeps evolving and changing throughout the years.
1: Yeah, we're and like I think what five. makes it yes, and what makes it really hard is that like when you have a physical illness like diabetes, I really love using diabetes as like my way of explaining mental health and you'll see in a little bit. Bear with me. You <laughs> poke a person and you see the glucose in their blood and you're like, "Oh, poop." you have too much sugar you need to to take this medication and you automatically get a diagnosis because there's a test and boom you have it whereas with us we can't we cannot do a cat scan or a neural um I can't think of the word but like there's like a scan that it has to do with your neurons and stuff in your brain they plug you into this big big thing um and we don't have the access to do that with every client that walks into our door. So when they come in and they say, I have all these symptoms, we literally walk over to our DSM and like go through all the systems pretending like I have this 2000 page document memorized in my brain and, and figure out what this person could be having. Right. You know, and, and a psychiatrist, I think my, has a better ability to do that because they took a lot longer being in med school than I did doing my master's, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's like this book that could be subjective to the people that wrote it.
0: And yes, I was going to say, and it's very subjective and not always accurate because also, again, the person coming to you might not have a really good understanding of when things happen, the, the onset, the um, how intense it's been the duration I, of whatever symptom they're experiencing.
1: Yes. I remember having kiddos that would come in with anger issues and they were labeled as bipolar. And then like six months after giving them therapy, I came to the realization that they had a depression. And so right. those mood swings and those really intense changes and stuff had to do with, depre- with an untreated depression of like two or three years. So because the chemical imbalance is there for such a long time, it can move to something else, you know, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's just so tough. Uh, But then again, but then you have some that, that are, that are just born with it, or that are, that are triggered, like, uh, we were talking about, like, postpartum depression, you know, you have and this is the same way that it happens with diabetes, right? You get pregnant and, oh, my sugar is changing. And then the baby's born. Baby's healthy. Everything's fine. But you are left with diabetes. Like, I'm sure there's people that have that experience. And it kind of happens with postpartum depression too. Baby gets born. There's this crazy chemical imbalance in your body because, hello, hormones.
0: Right. And,
1: and then, like, this person just all of a sudden is like, I'm sad and I don't know why. Um, so we just kind of have to keep an open mind when we talk about mental health illnesses or mental illnesses or mental disorders or mental challenges, um,
0: right.
1: because there's so much out there. Um,
0: and, and I think that in a way might contribute to the stigma around it because it's not so black and white like physical health, where you can get a test, lab, whatever, testing, cats can, MRI, whatever they have you do to get a very black and white answer, whether you have a disease or you don't. With the DSM, would um, by the way, what what is DSM Dulce? It's the Diagnostic and. Oh Lord. Because we, we, we keep throwing DSM in there, so we just assume that people know. But the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and I Google that. I cheated. I don't believe. That's a okay. That I'm I glad that.
1: that I'm glad that you did because I was literally just <laughs> yeah. typing it up as you Because
0: I was like, we keep throwing that word in there, and some people. Uh, disclaimer we might do that we might do that throughout like earlier i think we said uh emdr too so we might use some terms we apologize we just are in this lingo mental health field that we use a lot of acronyms a lot of them but at first i was very lost so apologies (laughs) ahead of time if we do that just subconsciously and don't acknowledge it we're going to try and explain what we mean but yes for when we say dsm we do mean the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental health which is what doctors psychiatrists um, therapists and everybody uses just for coding for billing purposes politics right but wow. when it comes <laughs> down like to uh, you it is right it goes back yeah. to insurances <laughs> yes. and policies yes. and blah 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 so um but yes i think uh, 100% what you said is accurate as far as not being so black and white it's a checklist that Sometimes kids from, from the Department of Child Safety, and there's no history whatsoever. Because oh, they've been bounced around, and we don't have an accurate picture of what this child has been through. So we just kind of like right. go blindly at it and go try and as much as possible.
1: Which, which, as we know, behaviors are just the tip of the iceberg. Um, yes. So the tip of the iceberg is a, is a terminology that we use in our field to describe um, a lot of mental health issues or what disorders. we see. Yeah, like you have this huge iceberg, right? Like the Titanic. Oh, look at that little rock of ice, and then like you come crashing down, and it literally like wrecks your entire ship because right. there's Everything so much under. more under. Yeah, you know, and that's a lot. What happens in relationships? You come in and you see this tip of the iceberg, and you're like, "Man, I'm ready to marry this person."
0: And as <laughs> I you start, like what I see. <laughs> yes, right. This is a beautiful ice. <laughs> yes, and I'm then Elsa under I the surface. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, that big old iceberg.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like you you start seeing all their issues and imperfections and um, um, you decide uh, whether you want to keep wrecking your ship
0: or if you should drive the other way. <laughs> I'm going somewhere else with that. So uh but let's no, go back to But that's them.
1: We, right. That's how we that's 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 what happens. We get a client, we see the tip of the iceberg, and we're like, oh, you sound bipolar. <laughs> horrible to say, by the way. We don't say that. Uh, but yes. it sounds like you might have bipolar. That's the appropriate way of saying it. Um, but, you know, we, we do tend to look at a list of symptoms and say, oh, that's what it sounds like. Let me verify. Um, right. But it, it's not always accurate. So with that being said, let me, let me throw these statistics real quick um, because I do think it's important to just kind of talk about again, the tip of the iceberg what people think is actually getting affected but i think there's the numbers are a lot higher yeah. so this is from last year february 6 so that's very recent i know that it sounds like a year ago is so long ago but again in, in when it comes to medical stuff like a year ago is very recent
0: data takes a while to collect
1: right so, in the United States, almost half of the adults forty six point four percent will experience a mental health illness during their lifetime. Five um, percent of adults eighteen or older experience a mental illness in any uh, in any one year, equivalent to forty three point eight million people. So oh, that's a big number, right? Um, of adults in the United States with any mental disorder in a one year period. Four point four percent have one disorder, five point eight percent have two disorders, and six percent have three or more. Um, wow. Right, crazy. Half of all mental disorders being begin by age fourteen, and three quarters by age twenty-four. So we're fucked.
0: <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm solid, girl. I am past that.
1: Are you <laughs> Are numbers. you the one quarter that didn't get hit at age twenty-four?
0: <laughs> Oh no, I probably did. That's why I said we are
1: fight. <laughs> <laughs> We're past that. We didn't prevent that at all. <laughs> yes. In the United States, only forty-one percent of the people who had a mental disorder in the past year, listen to this one, received professional health care or other services.
0: What was the percentage that received 41%? The care? Oh wow. That's less than half of the yeah, people. That actually isn't that
1: need crazy? The help. Yes. But we'll we'll talk more about that these crazy numbers but i really wanted to kind of like say that because i i think people think like again the elephant in the room right um oh that person has depression let's not talk about it that's like the odd one out in the family
0: yes Mm -hmm. especially in some cultures right that it's very hush hush about mental health about anything that might be perceived as dysfunctional Personality, family yeah. relationships, so they try to keep it as secret as possible. And
1: yeah, it's I, the
0: elephant in the room,
1: right? There's like this stereotype of being crazy. Like I, I don't know. I cannot vouch for other people's perspective because I am Mexican, and I'm right. a migrant, and I am sort of Mexican American in the sense that I've been here longer than what I've been in Mexico. And just in my Mexican American perspective. And Mexican descent, like the stereotype is you need help. And, and instead of taking it as like, oh, you care about me, I do need help is, oh, you think I'm crazy. Oh, you just want to get rid of me. You're punishing me. I, a lot of times in in my field and with the families that I worked with, um, especially the ones within my own culture, like going to therapy is like a like a punishment. Like, and right. I'm going to go tell your therapist everything that you did wrong. Yes. Even with the mm-hmm. husbands and the wives, man. Like, working with adults, like, I had a, I had a, an adult male. And he was like, well, I'm here so my wife won't divorce me. <laughs> like, <Aww. laughs> like, okay, yeah. well, you're here. What do you want to work on? Nothing, really. Apparently, I I need to be divorced. So, here I am. <laughs> like,
0: right. <laughs> yes, but I, I think I've experienced that, too, where people – Tell me the the kids say like oh I have to tell you this because X Y and Z my mom my dad whoever it's like a punishment or oh I have to go to therapy and then they like dread it and don't want to come to therapy
1: right right or
0: I find myself talking to the kids and then when I I I talk to the parents and it's like nothing peachy nothing's going on it's the kid is a problem the kid is a problem and then I talk to them and. It's a whole different story, but the parents Maybe, come from this background of, they don't talk about it.
1: Irks me, dude. It like, so it, that opened up a can of worms in my side. Um, my family is, is, uh, I, I take pride in my family being open minded in the sense that I think I come from a healthy family for the, the most part. I mean, we're human again, go back to mental health. Right. Um, we're human. So I don't really believe that a perfect family exists, but we had a pretty healthy family in the sense that there wasn't a lot of like trauma. Um, there's some there, but not as bad. I I don't want to say as bad because that takes away from people's reality, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, at least for me and my perspective, I think I was very blessed in the sense that my trauma, um, didn't affect me as much as other people. We'll say that. Um, But the, in the house, whenever there is an argument or there's anger or there's anything, we don't address it. We just ignore each other. Like Uh (laughs) like we ignore each other. Like we don't even, we don't even sit down and say like, what you did hurt me, or you don't talk to me like that. Or Um, you know, like the boundary is not set verbally. It's literally like, oh, I'm offended and I'm not talking to you. And, and it's gotten better because I'm a therapist. And of course I brought it up. Um, (laughs) but, but it's definitely like right now that you said that, like things are falling out of like place. And there's like this sense of, of like, we still have to continue to act like we're a happy, perfect family. And it's like, no, we're going through a really tough time. Like, I cannot stand you right now. If I had the chances, I would totally knock you out, you know. But it's kind of like, nope, that's still your sibling. You have to deal with it. Like, that's still your mama. You just shut up and deal with it. And it it just, like, to me, it resonates mental health. Um, Personally, I had a really huge experience with mental health um, that I'm probably going to open up in other episodes a little bit more because this one is very, very blanket, um, general, not blanket, but like a general episode today. But right. I, when I was going through these really tough times in mental health, mind you, this was after I had my master's. This is after I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> I still had it. So just so you guys are aware, having three letters after your name on this field doesn't make you immune to the fact that you can also have mental health issues. Right, Um, of course, yeah. The family was kind of like, oh, everything's peachy. You know, like, she'll be fine. It's okay. And you continue, like, cutting cake, like, everything, baking cookies and shit, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Baking cookies and shit. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It, it just that, kind of felt like that. Right. And and I think going back to what you said about how we're only speaking from this part of our culture and again, not fully Mexican, because again, we're speaking to what's true for us in our own experiences. But I think I can relate to you in that sense that coming from the background that I do, it is very like, oh, so-and-so is struggling with this and it is what it is. Well, Pretend that it's not happening, ignore it, give it time and then eventually we all come around and which is a great strength, right? To be able to just get past things and go back to normal thing. But at the same time things are not being addressed and patterns keep repeating.
1: Right. Right. And it keeps getting worse because every time that you have a repeated pattern, it turns into you keep boil like you keep adding drops of water to the cup, you know. Yes. And, There's a point of time where the cup can no longer hold the water. It just spills everywhere. And usually that's when the big blowouts happen. Um, Yeah, And I
0: want to touch back to what you said about the whole like, oh, it's your sibling. You have to love him at the end of the day. I think that's also a big cultural piece, again, for us, for me, that it's we are raised with this family's family no matter what, right? And that has potential for very dangerous dynamics and situations and unhealthy relationships, just because we are wired to deal with it because it's family. And then you stay in this very unhealthy, toxic dynamics that continue to affect your mental health, your, your ability to cope and deal with things. Yet we can't, we, you can't just walk away from family and abandon them. This is family in.
1: Yeah. And I think there's even like a, like, even for, men, like, family members with mental health issues or mental health illnesses, like, um, there's this stereotype of la loca, you know, or el loco. You know, there's right. the, ah, you already know they're crazy. Oh, you already know they're a hot mess. Oh, uh, Yes, your tía, la, la bipolar, la loca. la. Right. Like, yes. I mean, there's even songs, guys, like, in, in our culture that, like, calls, the, which I, I dislike them very much. I don't listen to them because they really irk me. Um, but there are songs that I've listened to Latino songs, whether it's reggaeton or whether it's like Mexican music, um, I'm talking more like banda or rock, like Mexican rock, um, where, or Spanish speaking songs, I guess is what I'm trying to say, where they refer to the woman as la bipolar, like, you know, the bipolar crazy. And there's like a normalization within that, like, Oh, she's fucking crazy. Let her be, let her be crazy.
0: Oh, la loca. Um, mm-hmm. sí,
1: like ya sabes que está bien pinche loca, no le pongas atención. Like you know she's fucking crazy, right. just don't pay attention to her.
0: Oh, I las mujeres, like it's a it's a woman right. thing. But... And there's
1: and that's exactly why I'm purposely using la, because it's a lot more used on the women. Now when we talk about like violence and coming from men, at at least in my in my experience within northern families, again, I come from the northern part of Mexico. I cannot say that the information I'm providing you is from central Mexico or southern Mexico because I would be lying. This is just from my experience in northern Mexico. When we talk about men being violent and being aggressive and maybe being bipolar, it's kind of like, oh, that's just his attitude. He's just a macho like everyone else. Get over right. it. Get, he does it because he loves you. It's, right. it's just the stereotype is crazy. and and even like growing up watching novelas because as much as I want to stay away from cultural stereotypes novelas is a huge part of our culture I
0: can't stand novelas can i just put that out there for the record i used to watch them i, threw, I grew up watching them and now i cannot i can't it's i know too they much. irk
1: me they irk me the only the only show that i watch is la casa de las flores and the second season the fact that veronica castros not on there shame yes <laughs> hashtag shame
0: they lost me after shame. the first season
1: too yeah um yeah the second season is just a mess but but i really um but i don't the big reason why i don't like watching novellas is because first of all the love the love is just crazy like they fight for this like unrealistic love like yo just get a divorce like this is too much work
0: right and right. the stereotypical roles of like the the maid falls in love with the rich guy, guy. yeah it's, it's so annoying.
1: But in the novellas, the antagonist, the, the bad guy, right?
0: La villana. Either,
1: the villana. It's usually the woman, right? It's usually the, the antagonist yes. is either a very yeah. vengeful man because the main character is a man or a very vengeful woman. And the majority of times is a woman. And what are the three ways in which a villain dies in a novela? I mean, ends in a novela, Tanya?
0: Uh, uh, died. they they dead. They dies in a very tragic, uh, dramatic way. They end up crazy. I mean, that's the, the, the message that they're sending, right? The yeah. that's Or they happened. end up in jail. Or jail. Yes, that's yeah. the one I was missing. I was like, which one yeah. am I missing here? Like, what else happens to them?
1: Yeah, the jail. They always end up in jail. Like, oh, trapped forever. But the, the crazy is usually a woman in in an asylum in this very stereotypical asylum place where it's like with the padded white walls yes and they're usually like in this like white gown they have like mascara rolling down first of all i don't know where you got mascara from honey in yes. such a horrible freaking asylum place but they have mascara rolling down in their hair it literally feels like their hair was used as a mop
0: yes <laughs> for this. Like someone dragged them there. (laughs) Yes. And they're
1: usually grabbing a doll, dude, like that and it's a really creepy, effed up doll. Like a freaking eye is missing from the doll, the hair's all messed up. And they're crying. Like they're like the end the ending scene is this woman in this status, how I just described it, crying and shaking, like "Ah, Luis Pablo, I loved you so much. You know, like Right. (laughs) And when people say like, "Oh, you need to go to a therapist," that's the image that their brain goes to. Like, I si see, no estoy loca. I'm not crazy. Right. Why do I need to go? I don't know. That's personally, like in in my culture, again, my experience in a border town, that's kind of like the the idea. And I think it's getting better because I have been watching novellas because I'm here at home with my parents. I think I've said that before. <laughs> and, and apparently, like protagonists now have therapists. This is great, guys. <laughs>
0: nice uh, they're normalizing yes. going to yeah yeah like good they, for them have,
1: yes and then they have a they have this show called la rosa de guadalupe very <laughs> stereotypical over the top show but they're talking about therapy in there too so i think there's some sort of like awareness movement within the mexican culture and mexican tv but yo right. like the crazy crazy woman stereotype is absolutely there
0: yeah Oh, yeah, they do it very dramatic. I've seen some episodes of that, and it's extremely dramatic and unrealistic, some of the reactions that they have.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even drug addiction is, like, super effed. And that's another thing. Like, drug addiction is also considered a mental illness. So right. let's keep those statistics in mind.
0: When in reality, this person all they're doing is trying to cope with those emotions right i mean granted they're doing in a very unhealthy way that has potential for like high risk outcomes but they are trying to figure out a way to deal with it to numb that feeling to make it go away
1: i mean and aren't we doing that as like a mental health like a mental health care system we do that we give them drugs right yes kiddos over the top drug him he'll be better (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. The only difference is some are illegal and some are not.
0: Yes. And I think a big, also, some of the other stereotypes are in currently in the culture that we're living in with mass shootings and how you, the headlines that you see on the news, CNN, ABC, whatever other Fox channel that you watch, the big old head like, like mental health was the cause of this mass shooting right so that again that perpetuates that idea that if you do have some sort of mental health illness you're this monster and you might not want to talk about it because people are not going to want to get close to you
1: right and i think there's also this fear that
0: we're going to lock you up right they they, go into this they match mental illness with violence mm-hmm. and that's all there is yeah. I mean, look at that movie, The Joker, too. I mean, great movie. Oh, my God. Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job, and I Seriously. loved it. And, but, but then again, also, the, the, the therapist and me, when I was in the movie theater, I, I was- I cried. Yes, I act. was wearing my therapist goggles watching that movie.
1: Dude, at the end of that movie, like, so <sighs> my boyfriend and I decided to watch this movie for valentine's day
0: i don't know why how romantic is that man
1: relationship that shows goals you right that just shows you how weird i am um but we chose to watch it and like towards the end of the movie i was a mess like i was cr- like i was having an existential crisis like oh my
0: god oh my god like you do not kids, we are to- looking up all these kids <laughs> you do not want to know what movie i recently cried with which one it was Jurassic Park. Oh my God, you're so whatever hilarious. the newest so one. What I mean, no, the Joker was like very like again. I was wearing my therapist goggles watching it, so I was like a different lens watching this versus like whoever I was watching it with. It was it was very different. I was like, did you see that? Like, oh my God, that makes total sense. Like, I'm. I, I just it. I
1: just kept thinking of all the people that are like incarcerated right now. It, like it really hurt my heart to think right. of all these, and I'm and I'm gonna get emotional just saying this right now, but like it really brought perspective to a lot of the people that are incarcerated, right? And, how and it how it comes from, my, from that? Yes, because I'm like, dang it! Like how many of the kids that I've treated are gonna end up like that, and it and it just it it really broke my heart because I know that there are kids that ended incarcerated. Um, because they were misunderstood, because they were not right. able to be given the right resources. And and one thing that I think you and I have in common is we have a passion for working with low social economic status families and kiddos. Um, right. we, we could easily be working in private pay and we choose to continue to work for the community. It's definitely a choice, guys. 100%. We 100%. could be getting paid a lot better, but here we big are. big
0: bucks. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Careful now. Social workers be getting rich out there. Yes. No, we're not. That was sarcasm.
0: <laughs> In case you missed it. <laughs> In case you missed it. <laughs> Um, but that but that does play a major role in this, right? If we're talking about stereotypes and uh, what people perceive with, when they think of see of mental health, definitely socioeconomic status plays a major role into that. The access to care, like you were saying of therapists.
1: I'm you know i've I've looked into therapy online. There are some therapy people online out there. Um, and I've, I have definitely went for the lower rate um, because I'm a single mother and I've been a single mother for a long time. And, I, and even though I have the three letters after my name and I have a very reputable job, like I definitely don't make enough money to just flush down X amount of money every week you know, and not that I'm flushing it down because I'm getting a service like a therapist, right? But it's it's a lot. Like if I don't spend it on massages, probably not going to spend it on therapy. And so I you think- You probably think,
0: should though. <laughs> I know,
1: I, I know I should. No, I, you're a hundred percent, but I'm, I'm trying to really like bring into this realistic perspective. Like if I have the choice to spend it and and me as a mother, I prefer to spend that money on my child- like I cannot imagine what a person who does not have the three letters after their name and makes minimum wage thinks about. Like, oh, can I afford that every week?
0: Right. It, you know? It's just. I think it's just completely like unimaginable. Like they they just can't seem to even consider that as an option, just because they have other other priorities.
1: And I and community and I'm not talking bad about community mental health, mental health because I work in it. <laughs> um, but I think the big flaw of community mental health is that there's this expectation that the client comes in and the client leaves. Like they come in, we address the issue, they work with it, and then they're gone. And and it sounds great when you're talking about like intensive therapy or intensive services. Like, yeah, you're right. Like if a person has dialysis, you know, the diabetes got so bad they they need dialysis. You're not going to give them dialysis forever. They're going to be receiving dialysis for x amount of time but eventually the person should be able to come home and see their doctor on a regular basis just to make sure everything is good until really pay attention to what I'm about to say until the person can see their doctor on a regular basis we see our doctors on a regular I go to my well check every year and my gyno like her and I are homies (laughs) <laughs> that's where my $50 go. No, just kidding. Right. But that's where my money goes because I, I need to make sure that area is taken care of and we cool. Of course. And so, if we don't normalize therapists the same way that we normalize our doctors, like we're going to continue to go into the cycle where we just treat an issue, but we don't provide, you know, like a Ongoing constant care. Yes. Thank you. Mm hmm. And I don't think people with social lower social economic status really have the capacity or the money or the time to have that.
0: Right, and and I think it's it goes back to kind of like what you were saying uh, 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 as far as people prioritizing, and sometimes that takes like the backseat. Like I have so much things, so many other things going on, things that I need to work on, projects, hustle, like that whole like having two jobs. Again, sometimes it is pure. Survival, but sometimes it's again priorities, and people don't see mental health as a priority. I think it tends to take the back seat and be like, All right, well, eventually, maybe I'll get to it. Well, because they don't see the importance of it,
1: right? And, and they had to leave alone the, the importance of it. <laughs> I know my Mexican said comes up,
0: I don't know.
1: <laughs> but also, like, I've had families who come from more of a privileged background. Than my social, but my low sexual economic, um, there are grants out there for people, even though they are wealthy, they, there are grants for people who need it. And so, um, they're not based on their income. It's just based on the need. And so I've had a couple of clients who came for services that were doing better in the social economic status, but were able to receive services through us because of the grant that we had. And, um, I remember they, you know, they were they were done. I was like, okay, you guys are done. You're good. Bye. And they're like, No, we want to stay. And I'm like, uh, you can't?
0: <laughs> Thanks. Right. I know. But they're it's like an the
1: artist. W- well, and they said, I wanna have ongoing services with you forever. And I was like, Why? And this is I'm telling you, full blown master level therapist over here. I couldn't wrap my head around having a therapist that I had a relationship with I mean a client that I had a relationship with that could come up to me make an appointment once in a year and check in to make sure they're okay like my brain couldn't this is I mean this is years ago but my my brain couldn't put the twin together because I was so wrapped up in community healthcare that like you get done with the problem and then you're done
0: right um, wouldn't it be beautiful if we could if we could do kind of like, you know, how like for your insurance, if you have insurance out there, you know that typically you need to uh, select like a primary care doctor. Wouldn't it be lovely if they also assign like a, an assigned counselor, therapist, social worker, whatever, for like the actual emotional aspect of your health?
1: That would be beautiful. And, and starting since you're little. Ooh, we just pitched an idea. Whoever little... CEO out there entrepreneur is about to throw this you better hit us up we will give you some ideas and give us some money that you win thanks <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> thank you very much but that Appreciate. would, be, that would like, be amazing imagine having a therapist that follows you Estrella my daughter's name is Estrella has had the same PCP since she was like 3 or 2 um, and like I'm happy with that I hope she doesn't go anywhere I'll probably find her And follow her. (laughs) Not creepy at all.
0: That's not creepy.
1: I told you, every time you give me a chance to make something creepy, I totally make it creepy. But, like, imagine having someone who's following Estrellas on her developmental, emotional, social
0: stages until they...
1: Not somebody who needs it, just, like, in general, you know?
0: Right. And that's huge. And I know you wanted to talk about the aces. I think that's a good point, too a good way to tie it to what we're talking about yeah, as far as so, like from the beginning, early stages of life.
1: Yeah. So the ACEs, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. This is also another acronym that we use very often in our field. Um, the ACE study is uh, It's called adverse. It stands for adverse childhood experiences. And it happened, it was a study conducted um, at a Kaiser Permanente, Permanente Permanente. Yes, I am also googling it, um, and it was it was done from 1995 to 1997, so also very recent. Um, and what this it's ten it's a ten question ten question questionnaire, ten question survey uh, study that they were providing to people when they came in for their regular well checks. It was just added to their thing, so. Uh, with the ACEs, um, the big thing with the ACEs is that they were able to question a lot of people. They were able to gather a lot of data, and it was only done with this questionnaire. So what they were noticing is that a lot of people who have chronic disorders or chronic um, illnesses are have a very high ACE score. So an A score means that you had a very
0: high adverse childhood experience. Right. Um, and adverse, meaning anything outside of what we would consider the norm, healthy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the 90s, back
1: then, divorce was an adverse childhood experience. Right. Um, so the, they're in the works for a newer ACE, I believe. But the really cool thing is that the ACE was actually um, adopted by the CDC. So you could Google it, and the whole ACE study is on the CDC uh, webpage. Um, and, and it talks about, like, child abuse. It talks about neglect. It talks about um, imprisonment in the household, um, in, in
0: separation of the family.
1: Separation, yes. So all of these things get taken into account to kind of, you could, say that these experiences are linked to chronic physical health, physical right. illnesses. Um, And one really cool thing that I was just learning recently, because again, we need to continue learning, um, is that there's two types of children, children who externalized emotion and children who internalize emotion. You, I'm not going to talk about you specifically, Tanya, but you and I know that I am an internalizer. I keep it in, I shut down and then bye, Felicia. I'm not much of a aggressive person that's going to scream. And yeah,
0: I think I fall under that category.
1: And, and a lot of times because of my internalizing, it triggers stuff like a lot of my physical health kind of goes at risk because like I get sick a lot um, during the year, especially when I'm very stressed. And I think that's my body responding to that internalization. Right. Um, And usually I listen to my body. I don't, I don't fall under the category of the people that continue going to work even though they're sick. That's that's not me. I'm sick and I'm out. Like, okay, I'm sick. My body's saying I need to shut down. And I literally will shut down. I'll sleep for days if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think a lot of people don't listen to those things. And so if they have the outward, the externalization of emotion, you'll see anger outburst. And you'll also see like other physical stuff where if you're doing the internalization, your body's probably going to be trying to save itself from the own stress that you have.
0: Right. And and I think that we often see that with adults later in life, that we're, that we're just dealing with this chronic back pain or migraines or whatever physical symptom. symptom, And they keep going to the doctor. They go through tests and labs and MRIs and MRAs and no answers whatsoever. And a lot of the times it is related to some early trauma in life and sometimes people are not even aware and then they're like wait what it affected me to that extent and then they start processing and
1: you know what i had a client that was like in her late 60s um and the amount of domestic violence this woman survived is like out of this world and she was at a stage where she was like recognizing herself and becoming this new person but she had so many psychosomatic symptoms psychosomatic means physical symptoms that have to do with your mental health or your mental illnesses or your mental disorder and i right now that you said that like it reminded me of this client specifically uh, because studies and studies and studies and she wouldn't come up with nothing positive like she was healthy quote unquote right we go back to what's healthy she was right. quote unquote healthy, and and but she continued to have all these symptoms, like it's it's crazy.
0: Yes, and I think it's important, and the reason why we talk about this is again to create some awareness that if you're experiencing something like that, or you know of somebody that seems to have a lot of health issues, and they always they can never find answers. Sometimes it is related some to some more emotional injury. That needs to be addressed rather than an actual physical injury.
1: And one of my biggest mistake, because I am a healer, I am letting you guys know right now, don't be a hero. Like, just stop. Just stop. Like, with a friend, and and I'm so grateful for the friends that I've had in, in my life because they've definitely said, Dulce, I cannot give you advice. Like, plain and simple. I love you. Um, I want to be here for you, but I'm not your therapist. And I'm so grateful for them to say that because it, it really kind of pushed me to get therapy. <laughs> but I've, I've definitely before have tried to be the therapist to some of my friends. And I will let you know right now, you will end up burnt out. You right. will end up giving more than what you can afford. Because a lot of the times in mental health or mental illnesses, um, the person has to make a choice to go through the treatment And when you're constantly trying to save them, um, they don't really, I'm not going to say this is a statement for everybody, but when people are going through their mental illness, it's really hard for them to process things if you're constantly holding their hand.
0: Right. Yes. Sometimes you just got to point them in the right direction and be there as a lateral support, but not truly wanting to fix them because they might not be ready for it and it's gonna result in you getting burned out and emptying your cup and then it's you now and not in a selfish way like oh don't help others because you're gonna get burned out but it's like that whole concept when you're in the airplane right like you have to put the mask yourself first before you put it on to somebody else we gotta make sure that we're taking care of ourselves too and with that it's also helping others get the help rather than you being the problem solver for everybody.
1: Right, because then at the end of the day, the one that ends up with a mental illness is going to be you because you are constantly processing other people's trauma. I mean, it it is recommended that everybody in this field gets some sort of therapy just to even process our clients,
0: and that's Therapists it. Therapists go to therapy, yes. Yes, absolutely. But you I think can, the, you know, the silver sp- lining in this is that slowly but surely I think we're heading in the right direction as far as being more open about it I think with social media with technology that has played a major role into normalizing some of these things I think there's still a lot of stigma don't get me wrong but I do see little glimpses of progress and people being open about it it is more talked about about the importance and especially like with this COVID-19 thing that we're living right now I've seen on the news how people highlight the importance of mental health self-regulation and checking in with yourself.
1: Yeah, I think um you know um there's so many thoughts that like came to my mind with what you just said right now. But um I really dislike the fact that people think that you could have prevented a crisis. Guys, crises are inevitable. Crisis don't happen one day. One person doesn't just wake up that day and they're like, you know what? Today I'm having a crisis. Crisis happen over time. Can they be prevented? Maybe, but majority of the time is such an intense underlying problem. The crisis is the tip of the iceberg. And a lot of being able to, quote unquote, prevent a crisis has to do with the actual iceberg looking at itself and saying, like, look at all this baggage I need to work through. Um, We are not responsible for other people's crisis. Even as therapists, that's a tough pill to swallow because they bring the kiddo into your office in the middle of a crisis and somehow magically you are supposed to prevent it that right. crisis was probably starting 5 days ago. Like even in our job, right? Um Tanya when we were um, doing the type of job that we were doing together, like we would look back at like the patterns that created the crisis. Right. But these cat these patterns would come back for like 2 weeks.
0: Right. But it's it's but it really does have potential for in the moment to get caught up on that and internalize that as oh I I failed as a therapist because I didn't prevent this. As par- the parents too, they can sometimes see the reflection of their Child's crisis into their parenting, and am I a bad am I a parent because my child had this crisis and this bad day?
1: Or I even as a person, right? Like, am I a bad person because I allow? I, I it irks me to. I want to say it, and it irks me to say it. I allowed myself to get that way. What you mean you allowed yourself to get that way? You can't. Like, emotions are not something that you kind of like sit there and. Oh, am I gonna feel angry? Hmm. Like it really takes a lot of regulation and a lot of knowledge, and no awareness, self awareness, and even then, again, it goes back to no one is an expert on how to manage feelings. Right, maybe a monk.
0: Right, and and I or like always Buddha. talk to <laughs> maybe, perhaps, For, uh, and I always talk about how about to any given week situation, what you got going on during that week, what's on your plate during the week, it's definitely going to impact your ability to regulate. Things that throw you over the edge one week can be easily managed in any other week, right? Depends if I'm having a week where I'm super stressed at work, overwhelmed, relationship, family, health problems, car problems, and then something minor happens that does have the potentials to to throw me into this big crisis but any other given day that I was super regulated life is peachy peachy and then this thing happens it's like oh no biggie I just ride the wave and feel it embrace it acknowledge it and let it go but some other days I can't let it go
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. I, I my poor boyfriend hi <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely like weeks that I'm very 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 over the edge and my child too hi baby like i there's there's weeks where like something as minute as a cupcake could have an impact like a cookie like i'm not it's i'm not, not about the cupcake you. it's not about the cookie right like it's because there's already so much going on and and sometimes you just need to cry it out and have right. a day off and cry it out the next day like I'm telling you I always prescribe crying. For sure, man. I a good cry is so helpful.
0: Yes, I was talking to someone actually not too long ago about that. You know how like I don't know if you've ever had like a really good cry and the after feeling where you're like oh, that it that it's such a relaxing feeling for me, personally at least after I'm done with a really good cry and then I get the, oh, it just Dude, feels like this wave of relaxation throughout my he, body. It feels amazing.
1: You know what? You know what? Like, it's like my, uh, like I, it just like makes me feel so safe crying with my mom. Like this sounds crazy. Oh but like no, Yes. Like I come home because I'm usually I'm not here home with my parents. Um, I'm, i'm in phoenix and i'm not i'm not in phoenix right now uh but usually i come like once a month right and and every so often very intense things happen in life that just like hit me pretty hard um again you're talking to a small town girl small town girl living in like a big city right and so the world sometimes is a lot to handle Yes. And I come back and I see my mom and I see my dad and I give him a hug, whatever, pretend everything is peachy. And then like after a day or so, there's like this moment where they just know, like they just know I've been dealing with a lot and we like cuddle together in, the, in bed or, or on the couch or whatever. And I'm like, mom, life is so hard. And like, just yes. this feeling of like my tears on her shoulder or her chest, her smell, like the hut, like, dude, I that That's is like a relief for me.
0: That's your like, safe space. Oh my
1: God, just being able to like sit there and like, <laughs> I'm a failure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and moms have a way of asking too, because like a thousand people can ask me, Are you okay or how are you doing? Good, good, good. And then my mom asks, and then it's like the gates open. <laughs> no, I'm not okay. <laughs> Yes, moms have a definitely a different way of doing things, and it's. A, I think not only with mom, right? We got to be mindful that not everybody has that kind of relationship with their mothers. But whatever your safe space might look like, it could be your significant
1: it. other. I do it. it can with be a my good child. friend.
0: <laughs> yes, it can be a good friend. It can be a good co-worker that you have a deeper relationship with. It can be your pastor, your priest, whatever that safe person place looks like for you, please embrace it. Please use it. And again, yeah. if you happen to be someone's safe space. It could
1: be a puppy. It doesn't necessarily have to be a human.
0: Right. You yeah. can
1: definitely cry to your puppy. They usually lick like your tears. It's really cute.
0: For some I people they're they're cats. releasing their safe spaces the gym, working out, a hobby, whatever that is. We're but just also, saying
1: let's not let's not forget about human connection, Tanya. Right. Because even though the gym is a really good coping mechanism, I I like coping mechanisms because they're band-aids, but, like, a really good, really good, like, antibiotic is human connection or puppy-person connection. I don't know. It has to be, like, living thing connection because the gym, you can't really hug the weights, man. I I know you really want to, but...
0: (laughs) I don't know that I want the to, but, but I
1: think that's going
0: to yeah. comfort you. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I agree with you. But I think also that concept of it being a band-aid, if that's what you need for now to survive and to stay safe, by all means, until yeah. you get to the point where you're actually able to trust people and build relationships and connect to someone in a right. deeper level. Right, right. Very trauma informed. I am proud of you. Oh, look at me! I'm a certified look at trauma me professional. Hey, look I'm doing now. the 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 head the hair flip situation now, like you did at the beginning. Let me wrap up with my credentials. I'm just kidding,
1: <laughs> girl. I wish I wish we could be seen because I would be clapping my nails that I don't have right now. Uh,
0: but with that being have? said, we. we <laughs> but with that being said, we do want to wrap up this by reminding you again, in this. I know we covered a big spectrum of things in this episode. So again, this was just very intro to mental health type of thing. Uh, and eventually, hopefully we're going to start breaking things apart into different subjects, but we do appreciate your feedback as well. If throughout this episode, we mentioned something, we talked about something and it highlight, um, it pick your interest and you're like, Hey, why don't you guys talk about this a little more in, t- in depth or in detail? Definitely let us know. And like we, I said, we do.
1: Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, we have a Facebook now. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you could slide in our DMs. Hey, slide in our DMs. <laughs>
0: <Ay>. <laughs> yes, let <laughs> and, us Instagram know. Instagram
1: or Facebook and, or email us.
0: We have an email now. Ay. Yes, we do. It's the elephant on the couch, everything all together at gmail.com. The elephant mm-hmm. on the
1: couch. So send us that feedback that Tanya talking about. Another awesome thing is that um in Instagram, uh, we posted a um, resource list, I want to say, a resource story. It's um, a
0: highlight. Yes. We yeah. call it. Dulce is not very uh, yeah, knowledgeable so when it comes Instagram. to Instagram. I, oh, and so she, yeah. Anyways, but <laughs> we do, it, it's a highlight. So if you speak Instagram, you can go to our page. There is a highlight saved in there with resources.
1: Yeah, that you can that you can go to and 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 reach out if any of these things that we talked about sounds true to you or speaks.
0: Right. And again, like we said on episode one, although this is a safe space, it is not a replacement. Right. So don't think that after this episode, you have all the answers and you have it all figured out. It's just a safe space. It is not therapy. We wish we could be your therapist, but.
1: No, we don't. Not That's sustainable. a lie.
0: Well, Just kidding. Some people, maybe some. <laughs> Just
1: kidding.
0: Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but like we say, do listen to your body, know your boundaries, respect that.
1: Yeah, and, and also and also, not only boundaries of your body, but also uh, boundaries with your family members or your loved ones or whoever the person that really needs a lot of help is so right. that they can move towards that direction. Because... Um, you're supposed S- to be there for people, but not solve their problems, guys.
0: Right. S- send them our way. Give them the link to this episode so that they can listen to it. And maybe right. some bulbs are going to go off. Right?
1: <laughs> right? That would be amazing. Like, oh, the elephant on the couch spikes intakes in all of the community places in America. Cool. Flip there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just kidding. Nope. <laughs> that um, would be amazing. But,
1: We also, let's talk about our Facebook, yo. Um, You can go on facebook.com slash the elephant on the couch, plain and simple. And there we are. Um, Because Facebook doesn't really have a highlight, um, we're probably going to be posting those resources in a different manner. I'm not really sure how, but it'll be up there as well. So if you're more Facebook friendly, like me, because I'm old and weird. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do think Facebook is for the older generation. Um, you will be able to see, yeah, the, those, those resources posted soon.
0: Yes. Um, but in and- the meantime, do follow the page so that you have access to that. Please share the podcast with anyone that you might think might like it or benefit from it give us a share give us a follow on our social media pages we appreciate you sticking with us through this episodes we acknowledge that sometimes they might get a little long but it is just the nature of the bees and there is a lot of information to cover that we did not even again get to the tip of the iceberg when it comes to mental illness mental health awareness resources and how to cope with things we're just starting the conversation
1: exactly and hopefully some of you feel comfortable to say you know what a lot of the things that they were saying kind of sounds like me. I might need help.
0: Right. And you, you stick with, and you stick to the podcast and keep listening. And hopefully throughout those other episodes, we're going to go more in depth into some of the things that we covered here. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you for listening today. We hope you come back next week for another episode. Yay. See you
1: later, alligator.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope this was the start of the conversation for you and know that you're not alone in whatever journey you're walking. We know these discussions might bring up some challenging emotions or thoughts. So please remember that although this is a safe space to start your healing process, it is not meant as a replacement for therapy. So please reach out and seek professional help. You're not alone. Don't be scared to sit with your elephant on the couch. Until next time.